Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. It is Thursday, October 21st, 2021. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Hawani Show. I, of course, am Ariel Hawani. I am loving doing this podcast each and every week. Uh, we've got the videos up on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ariel Hawani. And we've now done this for five straight weeks. We started with current WWE champion Biggie. We then went to Pat McAfee, Stephen Brunt, my favorite sports journalist. And last week, Marty Fish, the former uh, tennis star who was very open about his uh, struggles with anxiety and mental health. And I'm so excited about today's episode. Before we get into today's episode, a quick shout out, much love to my good friends, um, the Lovely Feathers, for this theme song. It is great to have them a part of the Helwani show as well. So today's guest is someone that I have an immense amount of respect for. Her name is Renee Paquette. You may know her as Renee Young from the world of pro wrestling. She worked for WWE for about eight years. Uh, she was a huge star over there, an incredible talent. She can do it all. Uh, prior to that, she worked in Canada for a network called The Score. She also worked on Byte TV. She originally wanted to become an actress uh, and then somehow found her way in the crazy world of pro wrestling. Last summer, she left WWE. She's now hosting her own podcast called Oral Sessions, which is great. She also hosts a show on Sirius XM Radio with the great Misha Tate. Um, and she is, the, uh, she is the wife of one John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. They recently had a child together. She's doing a lot. There's a lot going on in her life. And I wanted to learn more about her career, about her time at WWE, why she left, about where she wants to go. Will she join AEW? If you are a fan of pro wrestling, you are going to love this. You are going to eat this up. But even if you are not, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, you'll learn a lot more about someone who bet on themselves and uh, went out there and chased a dream and uh, was highly successful. And then at some point, uh, said to themselves, you know what, I'm going to pivot and do something else and uh, kind of go solo independent. Does it sound familiar? It should. In any event, I love the conversation. I think you will as well. Without further ado, here is my interview with the one and only, the inimitable Renee Paquette. Renee, huge honor for me to have you on the show. Thank you for the time. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous because I feel like when you came on my show, I was able to grill you and now I'm the one in the hot seat oh. and I, I'm ready to buckle up and get into it. Okay, great. You know, it's so funny that you say that because I was on your great podcast, which I'm a huge fan of, Oral Sessions. Thank you. I, I hope everyone checks it out. Um, I was on your show, I believe, in early May. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest... It was a very vulnerable time in my life. Yeah. I got a little emotional towards the end, and it was probably due to a, a number of things, but I think it was when I was talking about Daniel Cormier, yep. but you know that was kind of a trigger for other stuff, and uh, knowing in the back of my mind that our time was coming to an end, and you did hit me with some hard questions about my job and ESPN, and I felt like I was very honest, so this is my way of returning the favor, so you're right. I am going to hit you with some hard-hitting questions here. <laughs> it's funny yeah, that you yeah. knew that. Yeah, um, I figured you would, though. I will say, I mean, I kind of liked your introduction of doing another show where you can do some other interviews that aren't just MMA based, because that's really why I want to start doing oral sessions as well. And having you on my show and being able to talk to, you know, just other interesting people to break out of just that wrestling world is, is really nice. So I get that feeling of wanting to flex that muscle. And last thing I'll say before we really get into things, and this is kind of the, the, the jumping off point, I actually want to thank you. Um, you have given me a lot of inspiration, whether you may not 
know it or, or, or you do know it. Um, what I mean by that is when you left WWE and you kind of went on your own and you started doing this thing on your own with the YouTube channel and the interviews, I felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was a freedom and a happiness oozing out of you. And I know what it is like to tell people, I work for this big company that everyone dreams of working for. And I know the kind of joy that that might bring to others and maybe briefly to you as well. But then to have the shackles come off and just do things that warm your heart, that pleases you, your own little sandbox. Actually, when I saw you starting to do that, first when I saw you leave WWE, and then when I saw you start to do your own thing, your own way, with your own voice, without anyone telling you how and, and what to say, it gave me a lot of inspiration and it gave me a lot of um, courage to say to myself, you know what, she's doing it. I could do it as well because WWE, ESPN, there's a lot of similarities yes. there. So yeah. thank you for giving me that. Oh my God, of course. And like, here we go. Look at us go. Like, what a good time. It's It can be nerve wracking, can be a little scary to wonder if fan bases are going to want to follow you into some of these other conversations that you want to have or these other pursuits that you want to kind of check out. It can be a little bit stressful, but it is so nice to just let those shackles off and do your own thing and try to find your own way again. Ultimately for you, why did you leave WWE after eight years? Well... <laughs> I mean, you know, I I think there's really like a number of different reasons, but ultimately what I kind of come down to is that I felt like I had checked off every box there of things that I wanted to do. Um, You know, I got to do so much during my time there from, you know, starting off doing interviews to working with me and Gene Okerlund and being able to like learn from a man like him and be able to like kind of follow in those footsteps to hosting kickoff shows for every pay-per-view for WrestleMania, for SummerSlams to jumping on commentary and getting to be the first woman to do that within WWE, to go to Saudi Arabia and be the first woman to be a part of that. There's so many things that I got to, to be a trailblazer for that I look back on so fondly, but also, you know, there were still other things that I really wanted to do. And I think with my skill set and the dreams that I want to achieve, I was not going to achieve them there. Do you recall when you started to realize that, you know, your time was coming to an end when you started to feel like, all right, at some point very soon, I'm going to leave this place. Yeah. And you know what? It actually came in different waves because God, I mean, now in this time frame, probably about five years ago, I had asked for my release from WWE and I wasn't granted it. Really? Um, yeah. And this was before I did commentary. This was before I did a lot of other things. And I'm glad that I didn't leave at that point. I'm glad that I was not granted my release because, uh, you know, my resume wouldn't be what it is today if I had left during that point. Um, but, you know, I, I think for me, it was really like... I still sort of had stars in my eyes and I still have stars in my eyes about things that I want to do with my career. And I kept feeling like I was hitting a wall of being told that I cannot be a star within this company um, because it was not about me. And I get that because I'm, I'm the broadcaster. I'm like the personality. I'm not the wrestler. I understand. I'm not putting asses in seats. I'm not selling merch. I'm not selling tickets. I get it. Um, but that was sort of the thing that was, that just felt very stunting to me in my career of being like, damn, like I feel like I have so much more to offer and there's so many more things that I want to do. And yes, you've given me this amazing platform, but I do see where that ceiling is at. And I see more for me outside of this. And if you guys don't see that, or if that opportunity, I don't even know it's not that they didn't see that. It's not that it's that the, the opportunities just weren't there. Um, you know, and with the network starting and, and, you know, having the WWE network and the different, 
versions of that from when it first started to just being like all interview shows to then it's all documentaries. Like they're, they were really going through the growth spurts of figuring out what the network was. And I couldn't quite find the place where I wanted to land within that. Um, to, you know, then moving over to Fox and being able to, to do backstage with Fox. And that was something that scratched that bit of an itch where I was like, oh, okay, I like doing this. I like being in the studio setting. I liked working with Fox. I had such a great experience there. Um, but then that came to an end as well with COVID kind of shutting its doors on everything. And, um, anyways, kind of going back to what I was saying is that, yeah, I had asked for my release several years ago, was not granted it got to do a bunch of other things. And then on that second time when I was like, okay, now it's really time to get off this ride. Um, and that's sort of the reference that I come back to a lot is getting off that ride. It's hard to find a time to leave WWE. There's never a perfect time. Um, it just goes so fast. The fact that I was there for eight years, like makes my head spin, but it's like, next show, next show, next pay-per-view. Now we're building to mania. Now we're building to SummerSlam and this is coming up and this new opportunity and blah, blah, blah. There's never that time to really get your foot out that other door. So with my time at commentary ending, the Fox show ended and then COVID, we were in the middle of COVID. I was like, this is my time. I see this window and this is my time to jump off the ride and figure it out, which is a weird time to do that because everything else was already shut right. down as well. So I'm like, oh shit, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm getting off this ride. Five years ago, why did you ask for your release? I was just unhappy in the sense of like, just knowing that I had more to offer. And then I was just doing backstage interviews. Uh, I mean, I was still doing kickoff shows and whatnot, but like on the day-to-day -day weekly um, schedule was doing backstage interviews, which I actually loved doing. I always liked doing backstage interviews because that felt more to me like getting to flex a little bit of that acting muscle something that I've, oh, I've always loved that. So I enjoyed doing that. I loved being able to have, you know, the very subtle reactions to a heel or a baby face and being able to help those storylines along any way that I could through that. Um, but yeah, I just, there wasn't that other thing for me to sink my teeth into. And there'd be times that I would sit there at raw or SmackDown and I wasn't on the show. If there was no backstage interviews, you just sit there waiting for something to do. And I started to feel like I was really wasting time. I felt like I was wasting really important years of my career when I could be out doing more things rather than, you know, even if I was doing something on the show, it was like a quick little, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my guest, blah, blah, blah. They cut me off. I'm left fucking staring off into the abyss for the camera cut. So as much as I love doing that, I know that there was more that I really had to offer and other things that I really wanted to do. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just trying to find that, that right thing to do. And then when I, you know, I spoke to Kevin Dunn and I asked for my release and he said, no. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wait, you can say no. What yeah. What fuck? is up with that? <laughs> you can break up with someone and they say, it's yes. like a Seinfeld episode. Yes, exactly. Like I wasn't expecting that. I was like, Oh shit. What? Okay. Um, and they were like, well, we've got other plans for you. We've got things that we want to do and whatever. So again, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that the doors did not close. That we did not end our relationship at that point in time because there was stuff still for me to do there. Um, but yeah, by the time I had jumped off commentary and uh, and the Fox show ended, it was just that was the time to go. And this time they didn't put up a fight. No. So this time around and. You know, I think uh, this was also a different situation. I was under a different contract. I didn't uh, have to ask out of my contract. I was an employee. So I gave my two weeks notice. Okay. Which was okay. much different. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely put me in a better spot to be like, okay, now I can end it and we are ending it. And that is what it is. Uh, but you know, I think that we both, 
I can't speak for them, but my opinion and the way that I feel is I think we were both kind of like, all right, we're not, we're not meeting each other, you know, on the same playing field right now. Like, and I felt like my time and commentary really sort of lent its hand in that, that it left a bad taste in my mouth. I felt like my relationships with other people there had kind of maybe gone downhill a little bit and it just wasn't a great experience. So I think stepping away from that and having sort of like that clarity afterwards and just knowing the way things work that like, you know, for me to take a second to myself, the commentary thing didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Um, And I think I'm sure it wasn't the way Vince wanted it to go either. And when he is not into something, it takes him a while to come back around to it. And I did not have the time to wait for him to come back around to it. So when you say that it didn't go the way you wanted it to go and you suspect the way he wanted it to go as well, what do you mean by that? How did you want it to go? Well, I wanted to go better. I wanted, I wanted everyone to enjoy it. I wanted to get great at it. I wanted to, you know, I, I really wanted to thrive in that role. I wanted to do well at it. Obviously, nobody wants to do bad at their job, especially on a massive public platform. Of course, you want to do as well as you can. But, you know, I really got thrown into the deep end, which is fine. I enjoy working in that world. It's it's okay. Throw me out there and let's sink or swim. Um, but going out there every week for three hours and you start to get in your own head and you're being told different information and you're trying to, you're just trying to get that right footing. And I never felt like I got mine. You know, there would be certain shows where I'd be like, okay, that was fun. I like that. I feel like we had some moments. Um, but, but overall it like there, I felt like I was walking away from more shows than not just feeling like that wasn't fun. I didn't like that. And I don't, I think a lot of people were kind of feeling that same way and not even, I don't mean just in terms of like my performance. I mean, of just like us having good shows and feeling like we could like high five afterwards. Like it just felt like nothing was really gelling. It was tough. I have heard, obviously uh, I've uh, watched and read about, the business for a very long time. I've heard the stories of, you know, Vince yelling in your ear. I know it's tough enough as a broadcaster to have anyone talk in your ear, let alone yell at you or make you feel worse, lose confidence, etc. Did you ever experience that? Yeah, of course. What is that um, like? like? Like, can you give me an example without, I know you don't want to probably reveal too much, but like, what is he saying that could be so bad to, you know, mess with someone mentally? Um, so this time I actually, this, I wasn't on commentary for this moment, but it was after I had done commentary and I was doing a panel. I want to say it was either like the premiere of SmackDown on Fox or no, it wasn't. No. Cause that was LA. We were actually in Las Vegas. Anyways, we were doing a panel show where they cut to us in between the show um, it was some kind of special, but anyways, um, Tyson Fury was on the show is when he was doing a stint in WWE and it was me, Samoa Joe, Booker T and Beth Phoenix. I believe that's what the cast was for that crew. And I had said, I was throwing to a package, blah, 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 something, something, uh, uh the gypsy King Tyson Fury throwed a package and he's in my ear and goes, you fucking ruined it. Screaming at me, telling me that I've ruined this segment. Because I did not refer to Tyson Fury as the lineal champion. Oh, God. That I referred to him as a gypsy king, Tyson Fury, through the package. So he's screaming at me. And at this point, like, at this point, I am, like, over it. I've done the commentary thing. I'm, I'm just, like, I'm a little bit hardened to all of the circumstances. So he's yelling at me about this. And I'm 
looking down at my notes. Maybe I'm looking to Samoa Joe, taking in this information in my ear, but he thinks I'm ignoring him. So he yells at me again. Do you hear me? Acknowledge that you hear me. And he wanted me to like look into the camera and be like, yes, sir. I, I hear you. I understand you. I apologize. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just to be yelled at like that for a small, I didn't want to say mistake. It's not a mistake. I just didn't call him the lineal champion. I didn't know that it was that necessary as if I had run, I had ruined the, the run of Tyson Fury and WWE by not calling him that. Uh, but to be yelled at like that in front of your like peers was pretty demoralizing uh, to, you know, to, yeah, to just be yelled at that I had ruined a segment. Uh, I felt bad about it. Then we had to come back and do an on cam after that. And I was just like, I wanted to pull off my headset and just literally get in my car and drive home. Cause at that point I had just had it. Are, are you a, like, I, I consider myself proudly a sensitive person. I don't know if I would handle that very well. Yeah. Um, do you go home and, and cr like, do you, do you cry? Do you feel, I mean, you say you want to cover your I face. I don't think I ever cried at that, like, I can't think of a time that I had cried. I, there's times that I had cried during my duration in WWE for sure. And we can get into those. Uh, but as far as like being yelled at and being upset about that, not so much. It's more so it's it's shocking. It's like jarring to be yelled at like that as a grown ass woman. Right. You're like, wait, you're talking to me like that. What the fuck? That it's it. You almost find like comedy in it to a degree of like this is happening. And it's. It's also like, you know, you're sitting there with your crew of people that are also on the panel. They understand what's happening. So we're all on the same page. As much as it can be embarrassing, we also all understand the circumstances in which we're working. So we can sort of roll our eyes at each other and just go, okay, he's on one today. I guess we just got to take it on the chin. And that's that's more what that is. Um, but, you know, there, there's been other times too of just having like, like, just having like a fuck up on air. You know, you're doing a 15 second on cam. And I remember... Is when Bray Wyatt was doing the Firefly Funhouse. Try saying that out loud really quick. <laughs> I did that. I was like, the Firefly Fly. I said, I said it wrong. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but I still like threw to the thing. And he was like, yeah, you messed that one up. I was like, yeah, I did. That was my bad. Um, but I mean, those are moments. What You're doing live TV. You're doing things on the fly. It is what it is. And, you know, as much as I can say those moments happen. And, yes, you hear the stories about Vince yelling in someone's ear. And and whatnot. But by the time you walk back through gorilla at the end of the show, he's over it. Like, it's not like he's holding on to this grudge. Okay. Of like you did this terrible thing. And now I'm going to hate you for forever. Like it doesn't really work like that. Sometimes it does, but usually it's like by the end of the show, he's moved on to the next thing. Like it's not even a blip on his radar. It's just that knee jerk reaction to yell at you. <laughs> did he ever apologize? Oh God. No. Okay. God. Ne no, never. No. <laughs> Uh-uh. I don't know. Not that I can remember. Um, But that's just not really the way that it works there. Because, I mean, even afterwards, I do have regrets that I didn't talk to him more about that. Especially, like, the Tyson Fury thing. Like, that was one, like, of just being screamed at like that. That, like, I really wish I went to Gorilla. Because at that point, I was, I knew that I was kind of like, I am out of here, man. Like, this is crazy. I wish that I had gone back and had a conversation with him about that a little bit more. To just, like, just to clarify. And honestly, maybe that would have made my relationship with him better. Um, and I think that, you know, me kind of turning a little bit more insular after that and being like, oh, I'm just going to avoid him now. He screamed at me like that. I'd rather not talk to him. I should have gone the other way and probably addressed him. And maybe he would have respected me more if I had done that.
Uh, obviously, everyone knows that you are married to the former Dean Ambrose, the current John Moxley. If he's still with WWE, do you think you're still there as well? Um, no, I don't think so because he was still there when I tried to leave before. Okay. Uh, so, and he was like, you know, at the height of doing all of the Dean Ambrose things. So, uh, I don't think that those things go hand in hand. I do think that it definitely helped in the sense that like, and not even the sense of like, you're not here, I'm going to follow you and like, you know, do the things that you're doing. It wasn't that it was more. So the conversations we have are like, do the things that you want to do, do the things that make you happy. And if it's not here, it's, it's not being at WWE, it's not doing that job, go do the things that you want to do. It's more so that like, those were the words of encouragement that he always gave to me. And even before he left WWE, we would talk about this stuff. And I'm like, man, you make that sound so easy. It's not so easy. To just pick up and go do something else. Like you're making good money. You've got a steady gig. That's not hard. That's not easy to come by in this form of entertainment. It's tough. Um, so when I saw him get up and leave and go, fuck it, I'm going to go do my own thing. And then he did. And he's like thriving. I was like, well, shit, look at you to see him step out and do that. And he never hesitated. He never, you know, he didn't really overthink what he was doing. He just trusted his instinct and went to do that. And that was something that was like hugely inspirational to me to be like, shit, you're right. Yeah. Go do the shit that you want to do. Life's short. Get off the, get off this ride and go do the other shit. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about your relationship with John in a second, but I'm curious, you know, I was comparing myself to you a little bit. There's a massive difference um, I don't do a show or multiple shows where I talk about the world of ESPN. Um, ESPN meant something to me. It's no longer a part of my life, but I can kind of move on. I'm yeah. talking about the UFC that's on ESPN, but it's totally different. You're talking about a world that you lived in. Like you, yeah. you are interviewing people who've been hired and fired and you are like deep in the trenches. Is that at all awkward for you because you have relationships there and because of your time there? A little, I mean, I guess a little bit, but at the same time, like as much as I can tell these stories here of like this happened, this happened and this happened, I don't have bad feelings towards, you know, the company or towards Vince or anything like that. It's just the way that the company works. It wasn't special to me. That's just the way that it is. So I don't have bad feelings about the company at all. Um, and that's something that, I really try to stay true to when I'm doing my podcast. Cause if I'm having somebody on that's been released or they're moving on to another company, it's not that like shoot podcast. I'm not looking for them to come on and talk some shit. If they want to be my guest, the mic is hot, do whatever you want to say. Um, but that's not really the gist of the interviews that I'm trying to have with them. I prefer talking like these are people that I've spent the better part of a decade with. And I find them also interesting. And there's so many parts of their lives and of their stories that they've not been able to tell. So I want to have those conversations more so than like those shoot interviews of somebody just talking shit on the company. And for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, those interviews are interviews where you're asking questions and a person's answering the questions. And often sometimes you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll weigh in here or there, but you're not necessarily being an analyst when you are on the radio though with Sirius XM and I know you do those guest spots um you know on their on their wrestling radio show and whatnot and you have your own radio show now with the great Misha Tate yeah on down with uh with uh, is it Misha and Renee or Renee and Misha Renee and Misha okay I'm sorry you're, you're the a side uh <laughs> my bad um I don't know do, how I got away with that but I'll take it respect yeah absolutely <laughs> uh you have to analyze things and your significant other works for 
you know, the second biggest organization in the world, AEW, does that get awkward at times? Do you find yourself having to bite your tongue at times if you don't no. agree with something, if you don't like something? No. And I mean, that is like, I get, I get where you're going with that because of course that could be a little bit of a sticky situation. I'm not ever trying to like step on anyone's toes, but at the same time, opinions are opinions and we get paid to have opinions. Um, but the thing that's that I find with doing uh, throwing down with Renee and Misha on Sirius XM Fight Nation Mondays two to five PM Eastern time. Cheap <laughs> um, plug. She because uh, because Misha's not a huge wrestling fan. I'm trying to bring her into the world of wrestling, so we're not dissecting what's good and what's bad. We're talking about stories that are happening. Like Rhea Ripley lost her gear on the road. Holy shit! Somebody she lost her her tag team championship. Some dude or some woman just is walking around with like a WWE title somewhere. Like we'll have those stories. Or like you know, I want to talk about the success of Big E within WWE. Like I can talk about that stuff, but that's more so the stuff that I. I want to highlight getting into like that nitty gritty of like, I don't like this. Or, you know, we talked a little bit about like the ratings war between AEW and WWE. And I'm like, I don't like having these conversations. I don't care enough about that. That's not the stuff that I look to and what I care about. Like if I see it in a headline, cool, I'll look at it. But like, are John and I having conversations about that? Absolutely not. I like looking at like the creative side of things. I like seeing what's working for different characters, for different, different athletes that are just like kicking ass. Like I want to talk about that shit more so than trying to like bury a segment or something. If we would have a, you know, would have had a conversation when you were 17, 18, you grew up in Canada, you grew up in Ontario, the great province of Ontario, in Toronto. Does it or hurt a, you to say that from Montreal? No, not at all. Listen, I have a, a lot of respect. I mean, if we could, <laughs> if you want to talk about, you know, the Canadians and Maple Leafs, we can, although <laughs> you, jumped, you jumped off that bandwagon I and did. now are a Golden Knights fan, which is bizarre <laughs> to me. Um, what was I supposed to do? I mean, just stay with your team. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. But they, well, they were, they've been getting better. But I've actually not been a Leafs fan for quite some time. So, oh, really? Why yeah, you but, you uh, disown them because they're a pathetic franchise? Essentially, kind of. Okay. Yeah, that okay. is sort of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it was disappointing. It's hard to be a fan for a while, and they keep losing. But they have been up. They've been on the up and up. They didn't go quite as far as Montreal in the, in the playoffs. But kudos to you guys. Yeah, we we don't have to get there uh, or the talk about time. that. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, much like the Golden Knights a couple of years ago. Um, okay. <laughs> so. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you, your original dream was to be an actress, right? 19 years old, you moved to Los Angeles and yeah. you don't last very long there. How long did you actually last? I was only there for about six months, uh, six to nine months, something like that. Um, so yes, that is absolutely accurate. My That's what my passion was and honestly kind of still is. That's the thing that I love. I love watching movies. I love sort of the art of acting and like I I really wanted to sink my teeth into that like I was taking like full acting um method acting classes like really leaning into that world and I you know I was a dumb kid I finished doing my second city classes I was like that's where I'll go second cities in Toronto that seems like it's the place that everyone goes to start I finished my training there and I was like well guess I'm ready. <laughs> Here I come, Hollywood. I had not booked a job in my life. Maybe I'd done like a music video at that point, but like I hadn't done anything. I was like, I got to get to California. That's where the magic happens. Uh, but I did, I had no work visa. I had no resume. I, I had nothing. I just had no idea what entailed to be a Canadian moving to the United States 
trying to become an actress. There's a, there's a lot that needs to happen there. I, I mean, as you know, we both just became citizens uh, of what all goes into like getting those work papers, trying to convince someone to hire you. That's not freaked out that you're like, can you sponsor my O one visa? And they're like, what the fuck? Um, so yeah. It, anyways, yes. 19 year old me moved to Los Angeles to go be an actress, but then I got sick. I oh. got a cold and I, that's really what was the straw that broke the camel's back. I got a really bad cold and I was like, oh, you have to have health insurance here. I can't pay for this. I was making $50 a night and only working like four nights a week. I had no money. I had no money. I had, yeah, like I, I couldn't do anything. So once I got sick and I was like, I can't even pay to go to the hospital. I got to go home. This is it. I just, I also hate wasting time. I am not a time waster. So when I realized that it was like, roadblock 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 like everything was just like not working out but i was like hey i gotta go back to canada let's go back to auditioning there let's take some more classes there and try to like let's go build my resume there and then come back so, so how do you exactly go from the acting dream to the tv dream how do you go down that path so you know i i had like my my agent and whatnot in toronto going out for you know i was auditioning a lot of just doing like you know whether it was commercials, film, television, whatever, so much stuff comes through Toronto. So that was a great experience to be able to understand how all that works. But again, I started to feel like I was wasting time. I was like, I'm ready to go. I want to work. I want to work. I don't want to wait to be girl number three at a bar in some, you know, small movie, hoping that something's going to take off. I felt like I was just wasting so much time. So I was like, how can I, what do I do? How do I get something going? Um, and the idea of being a television host was something that I was like, mm, I don't know if that's really what I want to do. I, I don't know that that's going to do the, it's not going to scratch my itch. Um, but I will always remember during the throes of this, I was like sleeping on my couch and I woke up and Chelsea lately was on. And I was like, I want to do that. That's perfect. That was, it just was something that just echoed my personality it just lined up with all the things that I wanted to kind of do aside from acting, but, you know, starting at second city comedy was a big thing that I really wanted to do as well. So seeing Chelsea in that role and hosting a show and having these like brash opinions and just getting to like fuck around and have fun. I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I had gone on one of those like online casting websites as you do when you're trying to book gigs and they were looking for uh, a VJ for bite TV. And I was like, fuck, I can do that. No problem. So I went, I drove to Mississauga, went to go audition to be their bite girl of the month or whatever. And I thought it was like a true VJ thing. I was like, oh, I can be like Rick Campanelli. Let's go. Give me that George Strombolopoulos gig. But that's not what it was. I showed up and it was like a bunch of girls in bikinis and it was like these models. And I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> that's not what I thought this was. So I went into the audition and I fucked around because obviously that's not what it was. They wanted a, a model, like a bikini model. So I went in and I pretended that I walked into the wrong audition room and I thought that I was auditioning for Canadian Idol. And anyways, it was just a dumb gag because I was an idiot and they gave me a job. They're like, oh, this is fun. What do you want to do? I was like, I want to host a show. What can we like? I want to host. And I was like hosting and producing my own show, booking all my own talent, started doing the show called Ripping It and Lipping It, where I was interviewing bands uh, a lot of like punk bands going to like warp tour and whatnot. And then uh, also um, interviewing like extreme sports athletes, like snowboarders, skateboarders, 
um, everything kind of in, in that world. So that was really me cutting my teeth, figuring out like, oh, I like doing this. I can just have me and a cameraman and we're creating this content and we're putting it out there and I'm figuring out my voice as, as a broadcaster. I mean, I use the term broadcaster very loosely when I'm pertaining to uh, ripping it and lipping it, but just like figuring out who I was on camera. And that was like such a great learning experience for me to know what I wanted to do and to make these segments that I wanted to do. And then at that same time, I was writing for one of their like late night shows that they were doing. I was helping come up with different segments and bits for that. Um, and I was, I mean, I was, yeah, I was only like, I was probably 20 at the time. So I was like, really, you know, my head was in my ass. I didn't know what I was doing, but just trying to make something work. And then the opportunity with the score came up once I knew that I was time for me to move on. Now what's the bigger thing to do? How do I get on a national station. How do I figure that out? And in Canada, as you know, it's pretty limited to find a national broadcasting gig. Um, so when the, the score was in Toronto and that really talked to me because they had comedians doing interviews, it was not traditional broadcasting. They had Jerry D they had cabbie. Um, they had all these guys that were out doing sports interviews with a comedy twist. And I was like, Oh shit, maybe I can do that. And then I was literally knocking on their door, emailing them, getting any contact I possibly could to get my foot in the door. And eventually they hired me and it was great. Quick side note. Uh, I love the shout out to Rick the Temp and yes. George Strombolabas. Most people listening to this probably don't know who these guys are. For Look I think we're around, up. we're around the same age. I'm 39. I won't ask you how old you are. but I'm 36. I, it's okay. okay. I'll put it out there. I don't mind. Aging Much music. Roughly. I used to watch that all the time. Music Plus in, in uh, Quebec as well. Yes. So those were great uh, memories. The so you best. get you get the job at the score. Um, and well, I should actually add a side note now oh. that you said that because before I was going to the score, as I was like, well, what are the two? What's what's nationally broadcast much music, which is literally around the corner from where the score is. So they were starting to do a VJ search, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll enter that. So I had entered that as well. And was kind of moving along through the audition process with that. Um, but then the stuff with the score was the thing that that just connected and made the most sense. And perhaps the most successful thing that you did at the score, among many other things, was right after wrestling, which yeah. I think then became Aftermath. Yeah. Um, and I know you kind of grew up a little bit somewhat of a fan of wrestling and got to go backstage and whatnot um, because of your father who worked Gosh, in the- you really do your research, Ariel. Good Come on, you. Renee. I mean, <laughs> this isn't my first rodeo here. Uh, I have to give respect. And I really do love these conversations. It's great because where else would I get to do them? This yeah. gives me- I don't know if you know the the term nachas. Do you know what the term nachas is? No, what's that? Nachas is like a, a Yiddish term where it's like you get this joy and fulfillment in your heart when you when you talk to oh, people. And I'm enjoying this very much where I don't have to ask a fighter about a fight and this and that. Like this is just to me. Yeah, we're just shooting the shit. We're just shooting the shit. It's a beautiful thing. What is thing. the term? I really like that. Nachas, but you got to go. Nachas. <sighs> nachas. nachas. Like yeah. haspa. Like chutzpah. Yes, exactly. Chutzpah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to forget it, but I'll message you and get you to like leave me an audio no problem. Dare I say you probably get a lot of nachas when you see your husband perform on television. Probably a lot of other Usually. feelings as well. A yes. lot of other feelings. Yeah, yeah. But but yes. It's sort of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. The, the wrestling stuff was so interesting. It was such a great show. And by then I had already moved to America, but I would see the clips. Um, and there was nothing like it here in the United States. You know, Raw, SmackDown would end and then that's it. But you guys would do a post show and it was very free format and you guys would break the fourth wall and talk about all these storylines and it was great. 
in the back of your mind, did you think, okay, this is going to lead, like at some point, did you think this was going to lead me to WWE or you were just doing it because they offered it to you? No, I was doing it. So Greg Sansoni, who was my boss at the score, did you, you must, you know, Greg, right? You of him. Met him. I don't think I ever there. met him, but yeah. I knew of him. We should have a little side note here as well. There's many side notes to this because I always remember when you first came to the score and you came in with Moro and he was yes. like, this guy's going to be the guy. He's the MMA guy. And we're like, oh, okay, great. And like, look at you. Look at everything you've done. It's really cool to like think back to those days. I mean, how old were you when you came? To I was 2010 or something like that. I went there in 2010. Actually, it was Sid Sixero, who was working for The Score, who's yeah. now on Breakfast Television, who gave me the biggest break in my career. This isn't my interview here, Renee, but he, The Score <laughs> actually helped propel me into this position. That's a whole other story uh, for a different that's day. That's the best. Yes. And by the way, The Score has now like uh, produced- What a track record. Right? Yeah. Jackie Redman now with Ad WWE. Yep. Yeah, it's incredible. I know. It is really cool. They just let people be people. Guys, that's all we're asking. Let us be ourselves for the love of God. Um, anyways, what were we talking about? Uh, Greg and the wrestling opportunity. Oh, yes. So Greg uh, had, it, I had not been at the score for very long, but he was like, hey, we're going to do, start doing a post show for Monday Night Raw. We want you to host it. And I was like, okay. I'm all about the opportunity of saying yes. When shit comes your way, you say yes and you figure it out. And yeah, I did grow up a fan, but it's not like I was staying fully in tune with everything that was going on. I wasn't following wrestling. So I had some homework to do. I had some research to do to like get my ass back on track. Thank God I did. And what a blast we had doing that show. I had so much fun doing Aftermath, um, just from like the different versions from like whether Moro was on the show to having like Arda on the show. I mean, Arda was, you know, the forefather of Aftermath. Uh, but we in Jimmy Corderas, there it's just been such a great opportunity. But when I started doing that, it was it was not in my mind remotely of going to work for WWE and not in a sense of like, oh, that's not something I want to do. It's because the job that I had for WWE did not exist. Hmm. It wasn't there before I started working there. There was nothing for me to look to, to be like, oh, maybe I'll do that. Um, so when, when they wanted to hire me, I really didn't even know what I was going to be doing. I was like, am I going to be doing like a post show like I'm doing now, which ultimately, yes, I did end up doing that years later. Um, but I had no idea what their role was going to be for me there when I started. Like, I remember going to Titan Towers and I'm like walking around, meeting all these producers, meeting all like, you know, the writing team, the crew, whatever. And I was like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So funny to think back to those days of like, my ass walking in there and then all the shit that I actually got to achieve from my time there. It was a big moment because Canadian, you're doing great, but everyone knew that you were bigger than the score, that you were more talented than the score. With all due respect, sure. the score was kind of like the Montreal Expos in the sense that they developed this yeah. great talent and then they go out and do great <laughs> things. So yeah. when you signed with WD, it was like, of course, this was inevitable. And then you were crushing it. I hated the fact that they changed your name. Me um, too. I know, because I actually like... It's such a great name. Young. Yeah, Renee Paquette is a nicer name. Uh, it's uh I get why they do it, but yeah. I hated the fact that they did but it. But nobody I, else has to deal with that anymore. Jackie Redmond gets to be Jackie Redmond. Kathy right. Kelly got to be Kathy Kelly. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think they want the legitimacy of yes. you know, someone coming That's from another sport, is. you know, like yes. Arash Markazi is doing things on NXT, yes. so they don't want to change their name and persona. In any event, um, Along the way, you join WWE in 2012. You eventually, of course, meet your now husband. Could you tell us how you guys met? Not obviously like the first time you met, I'm sure. Or maybe it was love at first sight, but how do you actually like meet meet? 
And I don't mean consummating so, the marriage, by the way. I just mean like me, you know. You know oh, we consummated our marriage in our closet so that our <laughs> dog would not attack us. That's a true story. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just meant like, when does it actually, you know, because I'm sure they probably don't want these things to happen, right? The fraternizing, or maybe they do. Sure. Well, listen, it's, it's so inevitable because we're all on the road so much. I mean, it, it can be, I don't want to say incestuous, but like, yeah, there's a lot. Everyone's. We spend so much time together. We're all on the road. It's a lot of like shenanigans of like hanging out in hotel lobbies and we're all staying in hotels. And yeah, I mean, of course things are going to get a little chaotic there. Um, but I met John. So him and I started dating like pretty early into my time on the road pretty quickly. Um, obviously, I knew. Well, I can't say obviously I knew who he was because the shield was so new when I had started. So when I went to my first WrestleMania, which was a WrestleMania, in New York, New Jersey, and the shield, I think had just come out at the survivor series the year prior. So they were pretty new. And I was like up to my eyeballs and like, who's this wrestler? What's going on? What's this person's name? Like really trying to like submerge myself in that WWE world. And there's so many people that you're meeting that it wasn't this like, Oh, that guy. So you're meeting all of these people. And John and I, we just kind of, we kept, I guess, just like sort of bumping into each other and like talking to each other. It's funny because in my mind, as much as there were moments of like, oh my God, we're in love? What? But for, I think it was more so other people's perspective of it because John can be, he's a loner to a degree. Like he really keeps to himself. He's, he is not the social butterfly. That's me. I'm around talking to everybody. I'm friends with everybody. And he's not, he just kind of does his own thing. He stays in his own lane. You're not going to catch him just like randomly shooting the shit with somebody. So he would do that with me, which I didn't think anything of it. Cause that's just how people interact, but it was everyone else. They're like, he talks to you. What? He doesn't talk to anybody. And I was like, I don't know. We talk all the time. Um, so I think that's really what it was is we would spend so much time talking, um, whether it was, we, I, did you ever use the app Voxer? It's like a little walkie talkie thing. No, I can't say I did. It was a, it was an app that a bunch of us were all using for a while. We just like walkie talkie each other all day. Like we would message each other and talk to each other. And he was in Vegas. I was in New York. Um, and it, you know, it would get a little bit flirty to the point that of like, Hey, are we going to like hang out in real life or are we just like what's going on here because we were just like friends you know like we were friends shooting the shit all day long um and wondering like okay is something happening here am i making this up or maybe we are just friends are we friend zoned i don't know uh and he would always be like i'm gonna come to new york i'm gonna come to new york i'm gonna hang out and we're we're like well you know we'll spend a weekend together whatever and i'm like you know a couple cocktails in on vox i'm like yeah that sounds like a great plan and then the next day i'm like Oh, hell no. You can't just come. I thought he would like come stay with me in my one bedroom apartment. I was like, hell no, that can't happen. That's that's crazy. So I shut down that trip on him two or three times. Uh, And then we eventually met on neutral territory. I was down doing NXT. So I'm in Orlando and he's like, hey, I'm going to come to Orlando. We'll hang out. Let's just like not be friends on Voxer. Let's hang out in person. So by the time we actually got together, and keep in mind, in Orlando, it's inundated with wrestlers. The whole crew's there. We're there filming NXT. So, like, 
all of the restaurants close to the airport are kind of like filled with different, whether it's producers or talent or whatever. So we're like, fuck, if we go out in public, people are going to see us together. They're going to assume we're dating. I don't know. So we're like, F it. Let's just hang at the hotel room. So we stayed in his hotel room and he was so sweet. He got me like all, like my wine that I like to drink. He got me all my snacks that he knew that I liked. And we literally just stayed up until about four in the morning, just like buddies hanging out, shooting the shit, having a good time. But then it hits that point that you're like, all right, <laughs> are we doing this or not? <laughs> and <laughs> then it, yeah, because it's like, are we like, are we just like best yes. friends that just enjoy talking to each other or are we going to get a little bit romantic here? So yeah, once uh, that threshold was broken, pun intended, no pun intended. Um, yeah, we've literally just been together ever since. So that's coming up. Uh, we're almost at, it's like our eight year anniversary, like wow. next week. Cause we went to Halloween horror nights in Orlando. That was the first time that we hung out. So yeah, it's been like eight years ago that we like hung out. Finally, we're together face to face in person, like in like a romantic situation. And we're like, I guess we're just together forever. And it really was that feeling like as soon as we were together there, we've never had that moment of like, is this my boyfriend? Is this going to work out? How's this going to go? Like, we've just been like, that's my guy. We're just that we're together. It just is what it is. There's never been that like question mark of what's going on here. What are we as a couple? We're just together forever. And and now he is <laughs> he's doing great things. In fact, uh, he is an author as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. shout out to him on his new book that just came out or is about yeah. to come out, right? About Coming to come out, out November 2nd. Yeah. November 2nd. Um, and you're at the moment, you know, the wife and mother at home who's doing a lot of things. You're not just, you know, you know, Susie homemaker oh, or whatever. My God, no, sometimes I wish I was, but shit, I gotta, I gotta make ends meet too. Right. Um, <laughs> and he has sort of evolved, you know, he's, he's one of my favorites to watch and he's evolved in kind of like this 2021 version of Sandman, if you will, where he oh, like he comes out. that. And, okay. Respect. And he <laughs> kicks ass and then he leaves. Uh, but the, the, the matches are intense and yeah. I see you tweeting sometimes about it when he's doing these crazy matches. How do you like now he's your, you know, he's your husband. He's the father of your child. Hey, daddy. Yeah. yeah. How do you stomach this? How do you watch these intense matches? Do you so, even watch them? I do. I, I mean, I like to watch everything. I also, I'm at home, I'm hanging out. So if I know he's working, of course I'm going to watch. I'd be an asshole to not be like, Oh, what were you doing tonight? Oh shit. Sorry. I missed it. I was watching whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely watch all the stuff that he's doing. Um, yeah, it can be hard to stomach. Sometimes it can be a little bit stressful, especially the last match that he just had with Nick Gage, uh, GCW for the GCW championship. Hard watching that because I don't know that world. I don't come from that indie wrestling world. I especially don't come from the deathmatch world. So for me to see what he's doing, it can like make my head spin sometimes of like, what the fuck? Um, seeing him bleed that much, uh, doing some of the spots that he's doing out there. But the thing that I always kind of come back to is I can handle surface wounds like that of like a cut or whatever. I would prefer that to him taking crazy bumps. You know, like there's certain bumps that you see people do that I'm like, holy fuck, I'm glad John's not doing that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he comes home, he's got some scratches on him. I can handle that a lot more than making sure his like vertebrae is in the right spot. That That's tougher to swallow. Even when I'm watching friends of mine do spots like that, it stresses me out. Um, but yeah, the thing is, it's like he's so good at what he does and he loves what he does so much that I get more of a kick out of being able to see him 
do what he wants to do. He's creating his art and he's a master at it. So watching him do that does bring me joy. It can stress me out, of course, but end of the day, he's happy and he's doing the stuff that he wants to do. Um, I know we're running up against the clock here. Do you have time for a few more questions? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. cool. Um, he's down there with the baby. They're surviving. Okay, yes. And, and of course, you have to get to, uh, to Nora, I believe. Yeah, little yes. baby Nora. <clears throat> um, you recently were a part of a PSA about mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a, a topic of discussion, not only in the world of wrestling, but in the sports world and outside of the sports world, but of course, stemming from the uh, the tragic passing of uh, Daphne. And earlier in the conversation, you know, you, you referenced crying in the past and things of that nature. Is this something that you have battled? This is something that we're talking a lot on this show about because mm-hmm. it's something that I've dealt with, especially in the past year with coming to terms with leaving, you know, the dream yeah. job and everything. Yeah. Uh, has this been something that you've dealt with a lot? So yes and no. I mean, I think everyone deals with some mental health stuff to a certain degree. You know, when I talk about, you know, referencing back to what we were saying earlier of like having moments of crying, that was more so that wasn't like a, those moments of me being upset weren't so much of like a breaking point for me. It was feeling like my dreams weren't coming true and that I wasn't living up to my potential. And that to me was fucking heartbreaking. That was a really tough pill for me to swallow. And like literally being told to my face, you will never be a star in this company. And like early on in my career that I was like, holy shit, I just signed a contract here. What? Like being told stuff like that uh, by people in power fucked me up. Like that really put me in a a really upsetting spot. I mean, shit, we should bring John up here and tell you all about it. But there's times that he would get to the hotel room and he would get in after me because I would arrive to do TV for raw or SmackDown and he's coming in off of the road loop. So he would get in late after, uh, you know, whatever show they were doing in, in whatever town, but he would come to the hotel room and I would just be in tears just so upset being like, what am I doing? This is not, you know, I didn't sign up to, to not fulfill my dreams of the things that I wanted to do. So that's really where like those tears and those moments of me being upset come from. Um, but I can definitely talk to, um, anxiety. I have had a lot of anxiety and it comes and goes. I'm sure, I mean, this is something I'm sure that you can relate to in the sense of like, where am I going? What is next? What, like, what branch am I putting my hand on as I let go of this other one that can be stressful when you're a grown ass adult with a family, with a child of like, what am I doing next? So anxieties can come from that. I mean, whether it's staying up late at night and I, I always find it fascinating how, how much our thoughts differ in the evening to the morning. Do you find that? Like I find things like when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to do this or shit. I forgot about this or, oh my God, am I missing out on this opportunity? I, my wheels will spin like that in the middle of the night. And then I'll wake up in the morning and go, you're fine. Relax. Everything's working out the way that it's supposed to work. Um, but I also had other anxiety problems traveling, traveling really got to me near the tail end of my career as well. Um, there was a trip, which actually WWE is about to do right now, uh, the trip to Saudi Arabia. So I flew to Saudi Arabia. Then we had to fly to England. And then from there, I, I, I just on like my own went to Portugal, was hanging out. And then I'd fly back to the United States. So it was like flight, 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 flight. I'm on all of these planes. And it was my last flight, like a 45-minute little connection flight. And I was at the very back of the plane in a window seat that didn't actually have the window. 
And these two women came and sat next to me and I felt like I was going to evaporate from my own body. I was like, I'm, I think I'm having a panic attack. I have to get out of this situation or I don't know what's going to happen. I have to get up and leave. Um, and they were having mechanical issues on the plane. So they're like, we're going to be grounded for a bit. And I was like, no, like freaking out. We ended up all having to get off the plane anyways, but I had to get the girls to get up to move. I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to get out of the seat. And I got my luggage down and I went to the front of the plane. And luckily they're like, we are deplaning. So I could actually get off the plane at that time. Uh, but that was something that just rocked my world. And it still does getting on a plane now. Um, you know, I was supposed to go, uh, to Manchester with WWE and, being an employee, you get first class travel on like a 10 hour flight. So I was like, okay, I'll have first class. I, if I'm in first class, not to be like bougie, I just need that more space. And it's not even the, sp the space I need. It's to be able to get off the plane quicker. It's when everyone stands up on the plane and you're all stuck there. I feel like I'm going to lose my shit. Um, so anyways, I was flying from Vegas to Manchester and I got on the plane and it was not a first class ticket. And I was at the back and I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. And because, sorry, the reason why it wasn't a first class ticket is because it was like nine hours and 50 minutes. So I didn't qualify right. for that first class ticket. And I was like, are you shitting me right now? So I get on the plane and I'm sitting there. My knees are touching the seat in front of me and the plane's super hot. It's packed. And I'm like, I'm flying 10 hours to ask someone one question. And then fly home. I, I got off the plane. I was like, they didn't close the gates. And I was like, is the door still open? They're like, yep. I was like, great. I grabbed my luggage down. I walked off and I like had to call um, Sue DeRosa, who did all my travel for WWE. She is an absolute angel of a woman. I love her so much. But I called her and I was like, I had to get off the plane. I can't do it. My anxiety got to me too bad. I cannot do a flight like that anymore. If I'm needed at the show... I need to have different travel than, than flying in the very, very back just cause uh, yeah, it's, I, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm being a little princess about that right now. I'm like I need first class. It's truly not that's because I'm going to have a fucking panic attack otherwise. Um, so yeah, that, that really rattled me. By the way, did they hook you up? Did they yes, change it? Okay. They good. did. They changed my contract. Yeah. Thank God. And you know what? They did it really quickly. They like, they really did jump on that right away for me. So kudos to them for, for helping me out with that. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I think it was just like years and years of travel and being on a plane. Cause I never struggled with it ever before. And I never understood it because my mom is massively claustrophobic to the point that I like, I laugh at her. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like she can't wear a fucking turtleneck without losing her mind. I'm like, what is going on, Carol? I never understood it. And now I'm like, oh my God, I get it. I get how it is. Like, I don't even like getting in an elevator now. I'll take the stairs everywhere. Wow. So yeah, yeah. I, it really has like gotten in my head and yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, when we're talking mental health and I, you know, I, I think everyone just instantly thinks of depression and you know, those are, those are the more serious sides of mental health. This side, it does affect me certainly, but, uh, but depression is not something luckily that, that I've had to deal with. Thank God. I mean, it, it is something I've seen firsthand and I obviously feel so immensely for people that, that struggle with that. And it, it can be such a battle. So I'm very uh, grateful that I'm not someone that, that battles with depression. Second to last one, uh, you mentioned working with Mean Gene Okerlund, the legend, may he rest Angel. in peace. 
um, I mean, the greatest in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, to ever be, a, you know, like that role is, I mean, what he did, the, the, my favorite one was uh, after Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble and he looks off to the side and he's like, put that cigarette out. And I believe there was no one smoking a cigarette. He was just that damn good <laughs> at his job. He's just an absolute legend. Uh, yeah. Did he ever tell you anything about like any pearls of wisdom that he ever shared with you about the gig, about the business that stuck with you over time? I don't think that it was so much of him sharing pearls of wisdom, but we got to spend so much time together. Like I just really got to like, he was a great friend of mine. So to be able to call Mean Gene Okerlund a a great friend as, as well as like, I mean, yeah, you look at the career that man has had and the way that he made people feel and the moments that, that he was able to leave as his legacy. He was so great, but him and I worked together so closely and I would just love like after the show, we would always just go to the hotel bar and just have some drinks and we'd have dinner together and we would just like shoot the shit. And it wasn't so much the wisdoms. It was just like old road stories of him traveling with Andre, of him traveling with with Hogan, uh, the, the times that he had through you know the history of WWE, WCW, the things that he was able to do. Um, but it was to me how sharp he always was until his last day, you know, we would sit in, we would go in. So we would do the show vintage, which aired in Canada. So it was all throwbacks, obviously to like old, older wrestling matches or older moments in uh, professional wrestling. And we would go in and shoot six episodes at a time, which is a lot And I would come in off the road. I'm like fucking bleary eyed. I don't know how long I've been up. I'm reading the teleprompter. We're in like a green screen room. Like it was, it was a lot, but him and I would just sit there and shoot the shit. And he was always just so sharp and so funny. It like my favorite moments, because it is a lot. You're in there shooting for like several hours trying to knock out a month's worth of content. So if you're the one that fucks up on the teleprompter, you're like, no, but his moments and like the shit he would say when he would get mad at himself for like screwing something up on the teleprompter was like my favorite moments. Like I would restart any read with that man any day to get those little like nuggets of like the things that would fly out of his mouth when he would be mad at himself was just the best. I can't imagine what it was like yeah. working with him. Um, when I did a, a show in Syracuse, when I was a student at Syracuse University, he came on my uh, student wrestling radio show oh, and awesome. he was on for like a, an hour and a half. No one was listening <laughs> other than my mom, but it was a great thrill. The last question I have for you, Renee, and again, thank you so much for the time. And I've yeah. just broken every rule in in journalism because I am burying the lead here, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the, the biggest question, perhaps the juiciest Uh-oh. question last. Uh-oh. It appears to be inevitable if you would ask me that one day, very soon, you are going to work for All Elite Wrestling. When is that time coming? Let us know. It, it, I understand the 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 period. The what is it called? The non compete. Yeah, it's up. It's it's it's, it's expired. I'm you're on the a free other side agent. of it now. Yeah. Are you going to work for AEW? I don't know. I wish that I had a really juicy, meaty answer for you, but I don't know. I'm definitely. Are they talking to you about it? No. No. They're not. I've, nope. I've never talked to Tony Khan about it ever. Um, and yeah, it's, it's never come up. 
I don't know in what, like, I mean, I'm sure there could be a million different things that I could do there. I'm certainly open to the opportunity. Um, I love everything that, that they're doing over there. I have obviously lots of friends and family that happen to be working there. So a lot of signs point in that direction. I think a lot of people are, are waiting for that other shoe to drop for me to show up there and do something. And yeah, maybe one day I will, but right now, I, I'm not, uh, okay. I, I don't, I don't know what that is or, or when that will happen, but yeah, hopefully at some point, I just, I think it would be really fun to experience things in another light, um, to, you, to, to work for another wrestling company. I've only ever worked for WWE, so it would be cool to see how things really work over there. Obviously I've been there at shows and whatnot, but not that often because I've been pregnant the last year and I have a baby. So I'm really not around that often. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe at some point you'll see it, but right now it's not, uh, it's not on my calendar. Uh, I'm not in the wrestling business. I, I do believe in the wrestling world. This is called working someone. So I think you're, you're, or kayfabing someone, but I respect the answer. Don't act like you don't know all the terms. Um, uh, yeah, no, right. you know. <laughs> um, so for now it's the podcast oral sessions. It's the show with Misha. Is there yeah. something out there that you are looking to do that's outside of the sports world or the yeah. wrestling? Is there something that's coming up, something on the horizon? No, there's, it's not coming up. It's, it's something that I always just kind of revert back to is like I really I love doing my podcast I love doing the radio show but I I miss television I want to get back into that and you know now as you know the world is opening back up and things uh, productions are back up and running my baby is now four months old so I mean she's still brand spanking new but I can at least pop my head up and get a breath of fresh air and kind of figure out what those next things are going to look like. But um, yeah, I'm not sure what they are. I've, I've got some other, I've, you know, got meetings lined up a couple different things on the back burner, uh, but I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. We have so much going on over here right now of just like John's doing a million different things. He's working every promotion possible. It seems I'm constantly in this room doing interviews, being on the radio. I've got a baby. We're moving on top of that. So like my head is spinning. So I think by like the new year should be like a, an ideal time to really set the, set the tracks in motion. Well, just do me a favor. Take the floral uh, wallpaper with you when you move, because this I is a great. Tell you how sad I will be. I have to buy more of it. I it's have tremendous. To. The whole set is amazing. No one I does love this, it. and I love the juxtaposition of the flowers and all that yeah. with wrestlers and yes. these. You know, big, it's it's perfect. You it get it. I you get know. it. Yeah. I get it. Welcome into my space. I love it. Um, <laughs> this this has been a huge honor. I enjoyed every second. I feel very guilty about the fact that I took up a little too much of your time, but uh, thank I ain't you so mad much. At I appreciate it. Um, congrats on all your success. You've had an amazing career, and I can't wait to see what you continue to do. I'm a huge fan. I, I listen to the uh, the Oral Sessions podcast all the time. I listen to your stuff with uh, Misha as well, the show that airs every Monday from 2 to 5. You do go up against my show. Uh, well, but you know what? I know that because I tried to book you as a guest. And no one reached out to me. It's because we knew that you were doing your show. Well, if I'm being honest, like, you know, it, there's a little bit of a extra on the back end. So I feel like oh, that's a token. To well, I'm undone at like 430. But just oh, say, so we like, have that 30 minute window. Feels like a token invite was just thrown out here where you said. Great. Like, because, yeah, <laughs> literally just like two weeks ago, I was like, can we get Ariel? And they're like, oh, he's doing his show. And I was like, shit. They so don't like me over there. at serious. If we're going <laughs> to shoot. 
That's the truth. <laughs> Why? If we're gonna what shoot, happened? What we could do an rfvideo.com right now of my time at uh, <laughs> Sirius. You like that reference? Yeah. <laughs> that is old school. That's a story for a different day, Renee. For now, I'll leave you. Uh, right. Congrats on everything. And uh, I will throw out the plug once again to your husband for the, uh, the book that's coming out. Yeah. I hear great things. I will check it out myself. I wish you guys the best. And again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. This was a blast. And congratulations, dude. You're really crushing it. I'm really happy for you. So that was amazing. I enjoyed that. I could have gone longer, but I felt really guilty that I uh, took her away from her four-month-old for that long. Uh, thank you so much to Renee. Definitely check out her show, um, her podcast, Oral Sessions. Great conversations with a lot of pro wrestlers, but also people outside of the world of pro wrestling as well, MMA fighters, uh, and her show every Monday with Misha Tate on Sirius XM. She has a book. We didn't get into the book, uh, the cookbook as well. She's just doing a lot. Um, and I think she's going to do a lot of big things in this uh, post-WWE life. So I can't thank her enough for the time and for being so open and honest about her time as well. I know that's not easy. And about her relationship with John, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. And I hope that you are enjoying uh, these interviews as much as I am. And we'll keep doing them. I'm not going anywhere. This is a fun time to be doing this, uh, this kind of stuff. Thank God we live in this day and age. And I genuinely look forward to these conversations each and every week. So again... Thank you very much to Renee Paquette. Thank you very much to our production team. Thank you very much to the Lovely Feathers. If you want to watch the interview with Renee, go check it out on my YouTube channel right now, youtube.com slash Hawani. Thank you for the continued support, subscribing, rating, reviewing, downloading, all that stuff and more. I love you all. I appreciate you all more than you know. Thanks for having my back. Thank you for the love. And we'll talk next week. Take care.